Good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna Live. Hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I'm delighted to be joined on this special Saturday edition by none other than Dan Potts. Dan, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Um, happy Saturday. Yeah, happy weekend, mate. Happy weekend. The weekend is here. Um, always a pleasure to come on with you, Harry. You know that, mate. So uh, looking forward to the show, man. Good stuff, good stuff. And we've got plenty to discuss. Uh, of course, Arsenal take on Sheffield United in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup this weekend. A trip to Bramall Lane is on the cards. And the last time the Gunners went there in the Premier League, it wasn't a great result. Um, I remember that night clearly. I was up at Bramall Lane and it was a really, really difficult atmosphere and a difficult game to implement ourselves on. But we're going to start off by paying tribute to a man who sadly lost his life and a man who has a real place in Arsenal's history. Um, we learned of the news yesterday that uh, Theo Foley had sadly passed away. Um, really, really horrible news, really, really sad news. And I know that he's somebody that's really associated with, in particular, the 1989 um, sort of success. Of course, George Graham's assistant. I've got to be honest, I I don't remember uh, Theo Foley at Arsenal. I, I don't remember those times. 89 was before I was born even. Um, but you know, it's quite clear what an impact this man had on the football club and, and how much he was loved. And you've heard sort of ex-players uh, that were around the club at the time sort of paying tribute to him and speaking really, really highly of him and the relationship that they shared with him. And that alone should tell a thousand words about the kind of guy we're talking about here. Um, I'm not going to sit and pretend to know everything about Theo Foley or to to even sort of copy a, a tribute that's already been done, because I don't think that would be right. Instead, I'm going to point you in the direction of one that I thought was fantastic, and that is uh, from none other than Kevin Campbell, of course, friend of the show. Head over to his YouTube channel and you'll see a really, really good tribute from someone who knew the guy, um, someone who knew him really, really well and closely. And I think that's the right thing to do, to point you into the direction of someone who can tell the story um, and can pay tribute to this wonderful man, rather than me pretend um that that sort of i i, I know uh, too much about that sort of arsenal era so there he is on your screens theo foley george graham's assistant may he rest in peace Right. Let's come on to uh, this weekend. A uh, huge, huge trip, as I've already said. Uh, Arsenal travel to Bramall Lane to take on Sheffield United in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Now, it's not been the greatest restart from the Gunners. Of course, we come back, we got absolutely thumped by Manchester City and then we lost at Brighton. Back to winning ways, though, against Southampton. And we're not getting carried away. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. But, Dan, do you think that the, the FA Cup comes as a nice distraction now? It does come as a distraction. My only concern is that I'm still not seeing enough positives of how we're playing currently. I thought there were some positives with the youngsters on Thursday night. 
Um, I'm still seeing some errors, if I'm honest, but they're not going to go away overnight. Arteta isn't a magician. You know, we've seen this for a long time. Um, but I did see some positives to, to perhaps perk us up a little bit. Now, Southampton, I must say, I thought were very poor. Um, and I don't think that they were, uh, they're really playing for anything, Harry, to be honest with you, Southampton. They're one of the teams that we've got that haven't really got anything to play for in our remaining fixtures. But I think that going into this weekend, the FA Cup is a cup that, Arsenal fans love. It's a cup that Arsenal fans um, normally link to success with. So it's normally a weekend that everybody looks forward to. It is the quarterfinals. I don't think it's a great draw, personally. I think that Sheffield United is is a very well-organised side that make it very difficult for sides to play football against. And we're a side that has to have an opposition that makes it easy for us and, and and we then find it very difficult when teams don't do that. And I think that Sheffield United deserve a lot of respect and a lot of credit for what Chris Wilder has done with this team. Now, the restart hasn't been great for Arsenal, but on the flip side, it hasn't been great for Sheffield United at all. I was surprised that they lost to Newcastle by three goals. I know that they had a man sent off. Um, they looked pretty shoddy against Manchester United, who, to be fair, were actually on form and played very, very well against them. But I think it's two teams going into this game without an amazing amount of confidence. And um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But I do predict a very, very tight game. I don't think it's going to be a three or four nil to either side, personally. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Do you think that... I've lost you, Harry. Apologies, you lost me for a second. Bloody internet connection. There we go. You're back, um, mate. <laughs> I'm back. There we go. Um, do you think that, you know, we've spoken about sort of that it's going to be a difficult game. We know it's going to be a difficult game. You know, Sheffield United are a really organised side, as you've said, Dan. But are you do you take confidence from the fact that we're going there and there isn't going to be that Bramall Lane crowd? Because that was a, you know, I went there earlier in the season and I felt as though I hadn't experienced a Premier League atmosphere like that for a while. Mm, yeah, and I think that this is something that I don't think it's just going to be them. Uh, I think when we go to quite a few of the games without the crowds now, that's something that I feel that we were taking advantage of, if I'm honest with you, because sometimes it can be fairly daunting. Sometimes it can be a kind of little bit of an atmosphere that, that we've never really been able to, or this side, should I say, has never really been able to cope with, in my opinion. So I think going to Bramwell Lane without fans is going to be an interesting one. I think it's going to be more of a kind of even even tight match. Um, but I'm not going into it confident. I don't know why. Listen, I've, I've not been confident over the last few weeks, as everybody knows, just because of what I've been seeing on the pitch and some of the results I've been seeing. But Thursday night's given me a little bit of positivity. I think there'll be a couple of changes, but um, I, I think injuries have prevented us from completely revamping our side. So it's going to be similar to Thursday, I believe, with maybe a couple of tweaks. But um, it's going to be a very tough game. One thing I will say about Sheffield United is that they don't really seem to me to be a side that um, have have kind of boasted the experience of the Premier League. They've gone in there and just tried it all. They're not one of these teams that have come out and said, you know, we feel that fourth is really up for it. We feel that we can really get into Europe. You haven't heard any of that. They're just happy. They'd be happy to finish 10th still. This is still an amazing season for them. So I don't think it's going to be a side that are going to be all out for going for this trophy. I think they're going to try and finish as high up as the league as they can. But at the same time, it's a cup. So anything can happen, mate. Absolutely. And, and touching on Sheffield United, you know, at the start of the season, you'd have said anything but relegation would have been a yeah. successful season for Chris Wilder's side. And they've exceeded all expectations. 
I think they'll be really, really disappointed with the way the restart has gone for them. But they've been really unfortunate as well. You mentioned the man sent off at Newcastle. There was, of course, the goal that clearly crossed the line at Aston Villa. Somehow, um, you know, they were robbed of that. And if that goes in, well, it did go in, but if it's given and they win at Villa 1-0, then the momentum is back straight away. And you never know. It may be sort of a different situation. But... Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're a very organised side. They're a very hard-working side. They're very clear on what it is that Chris Wilder demands from them. Um, so they're no doubt going to prove a stubborn and difficult opponent. I think we can take some confidence from uh, Thursday night's game in the sense of, I think Arsenal were, you know, a lot of people spoke about the caution with which Arsenal played. And I think that it was a great observation to make. It was the right observation. But I think that comes from a lack of confidence. And the more you see... Arsenal pick up results under Mikel Arteta, the more you'll see them perhaps come out of their shell a little bit. Um, I'm okay with us sort of trying to plug those defensive holes by tweaking our formation if it means that, you know, we're going to get more results. And then we just need to be more uh, clinical in the attacking phase of play. And we've got, of course, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang up there, who's got a fantastic goal record for the Gunners. And we're starting to see Eddie Nketiah uh, sort of growing up a little bit as well. So, Lots to be positive about, but equally, that doesn't mean we just forget about the problems and we just overlook the problems. We all know what they are. We all know that they're there. And uh, fingers crossed, we can start to address those over the next few transfer windows and we'll see players move out. And of course, I'm sure we'll see uh, some more players come in as well, even if it's not the blockbuster signings that some of us want. Uh, Dan, how would you line up against Sheffield United if, if you were in charge? I mean, I know... It's difficult because there's going to be some rotation given the, the sort of the restart. But clean slate, we know who's fit, we know who's not. How would you line up? I think you'd be foolish to change it too much after a confidence has now come back from a 2-0 win. So I don't, as much as I feel we do need to rotate over the next few weeks, I'd rather him rotate against Norwich than Sheffield United just for the pure fact that I think he, that confidence is key at the moment with this Arsenal side. Um, we haven't got much choice in goal. Martinez it is. I actually thought he was OK on Thursday night. I thought he looked fairly commanding for a keeper that I have, um, not slated, that's the wrong word, but I've, I've said that I don't feel 100% confident in. I thought he was a fairly confident commanding goalkeeper on Thursday night. I expect him to start. Um, I think the the comments about Bellerin was quite interesting from Arteta, just saying that he needs to keep playing. He needs fitness. He needs to get back to his ways. I expect him to continue at right back. He was really poor, I thought, on Thursday night again. He's just lost his pace and not doesn't look comfortable on the ball and passing looks a bit strange for me. So I'd go with, I think Bellerin will be the player that plays at right back. Left back, because of Tierney's cramps, I suspect that Kalasanak will probably come in. Um, Tierney came off with cramps, didn't he? I think it was just, uh, just again, uh, the project restart has, has given people some injury problems. I don't suspect that it'll change Mustafi or Holden at the back after a clean sheet. I don't think Socrates should deserve to come straight back in after keeping a clean sheet. I thought Rob Holden, by the way, was outstanding the other night. Really solid performance from him. In the midfield, it's an interesting one because you and I disagree on Granite Chaka, but I must admit that at the moment, he is the best of a bad bunch. He's the best that we've got. We looked a much better midfield there with him in it. Sometimes you have to hold your hands up and accept it, don't you? And say, you know, as much as I don't like the guy at the moment, he isn't the person I want moving forward, but he is the best that we've got. So Granite Chakra, I suspect, will play. I think this might be a game that Danny Sabayos misses out. I just think the last few games he's been really poor. He's been pretty invisible in there. Um, and it wouldn't surprise if Maitland-Niles gets the nod, 
just to give him a go in midfield. He wants to play there. Uh, it brings energy and hard work into the midfield, and I'd say that he'll play. Uh, and I suspect that Bakayi Saka will carry on playing there because he's been absolutely fantastic. I've really been impressed with him in wherever he's played, whether it be left back, left wing, or in the midfield there. I think he's really worked hard and proven his worth. Um, I think we're going to see Lacazette play this time. He didn't come, he come on again on Thursday night. I think he'll play on uh, tomorrow. Uh, and I fancy Nelson on the right-hand side, just because I think that perhaps he's looked at Pepe on Thursday and thought him and Bellerin isn't really working together on that right-hand side. So perhaps he'll give Nelson a nod. Um, and then I think that leaves one more player for Aubameyang over the left-hand side. That's where I'm going to go with Harry. But listen, I could be completely wrong. I don't think he's going to rotate completely. I think it's still an important game for Arteta. Um, and I think confidence is key. So keeping that team together and playing some of those youngsters is, is key for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and Russ says, do we really need the distraction of a cup run? I think at this stage, for me, it's not necessarily about the distraction or the non-distraction. I think we can all agree that we're not going to qualify for the Champions League. Um, I think at this moment in time, it is literally about building the confidence in this team, getting more game practice, sort of playing the Mikel Arteta way, understanding what it is he wants to do, uh, the players getting used to it, the players implementing it. And I guess it's a bit of an audition for a lot of those players for next season and the future to see if he believes they're up for it, if they're committed enough, if they're going to show the kind of fight that he wants to see. So, yeah, I, 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 if we were hot in the run for the Champions League here, then I'd agree with you. I'd say, yeah, it's not worth the distraction, but that's not the case. And it feels like when you do start to build confidence, you need consecutive, like positive results. And whether they come in the cup or the league, I don't think it really matters at the moment. I think just the, the confidence is so low that we need to just start building that up. So I'll be happy um, just to see Arsenal pick up a, a positive result. Um, in terms of the team I'd go with, I, I, I think you're right in that I don't think Mikel Arteta will want to make too many changes um, because of obviously, you know, the momentum factor and, and trying to build that up. But I do fear that he's going to make quite a few. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I say that because we played on Thursday. He's been very vocal about the fact that somebody like Bellerin has, has struggled um, with his fitness, he's he's spoken about Rob Holding not playing many games, Kieran Tierney not playing many games. Um, and so I think that we're going to see uh, some rotation. I think it's going to be Martinez in goal. I don't think there's any question about that. And in terms of the way he performed on Thursday night, I thought he was very good without being spectacular, um, which is a testament partly to the way we defended. But also I like with, with Martinez that... He does try and do what the manager asks in the sense of he does try and play out from the back where possible. But he's confident enough to say, nah, fuck this, when, when, the, when the short pass is not on and just go long. And I know that'll probably frustrate his managers at times. And we noticed it even when Unai Emery was in charge and he got a couple of runs in the, um, in the Europa League. He just doesn't give a shit. If he wants to launch it long, he's going to launch it long. And I admire that in him in that he takes sort of hold of the game and does what he feels. And there was a quote from Jens Lehmann a little while ago when, when Arsenal were coming under quite a bit of scrutiny from, for trying to play out from the back. And the thing that he kept saying was, yes, you play the game that your manager wants you to play, but you play the circumstance. You don't let the game play you. And in the circumstance where it's not safe and it's not right to try and put play that pass or if playing that pass is then subsequently going to put your defender under pressure, you don't do it. 
Uh, and I think that Martinez is very much on that same wavelength uh, as Jens Lehmann in that, which I like. So um, I think Martinez will start in goal. Um, Bellerin, you know, we're hearing that Cedric is close to fitness, but I don't think he'll be ready to play at the weekend, um, in which case Bellerin will continue for me. He's got to build up that fitness. Again, though, I agree with you, Dan. I didn't think he was very good at, at Southampton. People talk about his lack of sharpness and his lack of fitness, and I, I, I totally see that as well. But the biggest concern for me was his inability to retain possession. That was really, really poor. And I think that his performances at the moment are also hindering Nicola Pepe's ahead of him. Because when you look at the difference between Arsenal on the right and Arsenal on the left, it's huge, worlds apart in terms of the the sort of the way they're performing at the moment. And Bellerin obviously is half of that. So, you know, he's got a big part to play. Um, I think Mikel Arteta will probably stick with the system he went with uh, at, on Thursday night. And it was kind of a back five, wasn't it? We expected it to be a back four, but Tierney tucked in right alongside Rob Holding and Bukayo Saka was almost playing as a wing back, um, which was interesting because I don't think any of us expected that on the night. So I think Holding and Mustafi will continue. I think you're right. Um, I've got this fear um, that David Luiz is going to come back in, though. I've just, I've just got this feeling that having signed him up, um, you know, the suspension is over, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that I wouldn't be surprised if he comes into the side. Saka will continue. Um, so that would be probably the back five, as I, I guess, as I'm looking at it. Middle of the park, Granite Xhaka. I wouldn't mind seeing Ainsley Maitland-Niles get a run in there as well. I think that's a good point. Um, not sure if Mikel Arteta will see it that way, though. He doesn't seem to be very fond of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, so we'll have to see on that one. I think we're going to see uh, Lacazette back in the side. I think Aubameyang just has to play every game at the moment. And I think on the other side, um, yeah, we could well see Reese Nelson. Uh, you know, maybe he'll opt for Pepe to try and continue building his confidence, but I wouldn't mind seeing Reese Nelson given a go. I think we... look. We all know that there's going to have to be rotation during this period because there's so many games in such a short space of time. It's going to be difficult. I'm interested, though, Dan, that you didn't mention Matteo Genduzzi. Do you, <laughs> do you expect him to play a part? And what have you made of this whole disciplinary uh, issue that appears to be going on behind the scenes? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um there's two sides to look at this for me. Um, I don't like it as a fan from what I've seen from the outside. Uh, but if rumours are true from what's happened from the inside, it sounds to me like Mikel Arteta has probably done the only thing he can do, and that's discipline him. Now, I'm not against what happened to Brighton personally. I like to see a bit of fight and a bit of people getting stuck in, and I like to see people hurting when they lose a football game like fans do. And Matteo Guendouzi completely and utterly um, lost his head. So Jamie Redknapp was talking about it on the Southampton game and he just said he's acting like a big player and he isn't yet. That's true to a certain extent. But my big, big, big bugbear is where are these leaders? Where are these senior players? Where was our captain? All of these questions have to be asked when, when a young player does something like that. You either stick up for your guy or you grab him and say, no, 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 let's not do that. Let's, let's take this outside. Let's sort this in the dressing room. So there's a lot of rumours that he's had no respect for Arteta, making gestures behind his back in training. There's been a lot of uh, rumours as well, and that is all they are, Chinese whispers, really, that he's been kind of uh, calling out senior players in the dressing room. There's uh, so much that's come out. And if you believe everything that you read, 
then he's off and he wants to leave the club. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Barcelona, PSG and Real Madrid are all interested in taking him. So I'm not so sure that's true. I think there's rumours and paper talk because of what's happened. I think they found a story there to say that he has got potential, this kid. Um, I'm not so sure, though, that Arteta likes what they, he sees in Matteo Guendouzi. I think as a person, I think he can clearly see, as everyone else can, that he's got the potential to be a very good footballer. He's got everything in his locker, a 21-year-old, to be great in our midfield. And I know people say sometimes he's a bit of a headless chicken and he could lose the ball and he could lose his head. But I quite I quite like to see him alongside a couple of decent centre midfielders and a couple of decent centre-offs that can actually lead him through a game. And at the moment, Arsenal aren't in the position to have that quality in the team to help him and surround him with people that know and, and can read the game with the intelligence of, of somebody like uh, Iniesta or Xavi. We've obviously got the likes of Ozil and Chaka who could be great footballers, but not quite got the right attitude for me for a Matteo Guendouzi to fit in. So I'd be interested to see what happens over the coming weeks. Um, I think we will see him again in an Arsenal shirt because I think that Arteta, like he did before with Maitland-Niles and Matteo Guendouzi, once he's given them a dressing down and he give them that kind of discipline over the next couple of weeks, I think you'll see Matteo Guendouzi in an Arsenal shirt again, purely for two reasons. One, I think Arteta wants to kind of show people who's boss and then if they respect him, he'll give them another chance. But also our injuries aren't great in the midfield. So I think we are probably going to need as many bodies as we can till the end there. It'll be interesting to see what happens in what I think will be a very busy transfer window for outgoings um, as well as hopefully a couple of incomings. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it might be the stage where we get an offer from one of the big boys for 40 or 50 million pounds and Arteta says, you know what, I'll take that and I'll spend that on another midfielder or a centre-half that we need. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. In terms of his discipline, I think that the it was really sad for me to not see any of his teammates stick up for him or give him the advice that he needs. I didn't see Aubameyang come up. You know, he's supposed to be the leader. I didn't see the the likes of the of the other senior, so-called senior players coming up and, and kind of telling him what's what. So that was disappointing to see. Um, and if it is true that he's been calling out the senior players, I wouldn't say that he's too far wrong there if that is a true rumour. So it's going to be an interesting one, but I think we'll see this over the coming weeks, Harry, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I, I just want to apologise to the guys that are watching because I don't know what's going on with this uh, this software this morning, but it's playing up. It's kicked me out once already and I don't want to risk trying to refresh it to fix it again um, and the stream going wrong. So we're going to keep it running. Um, but... I think the Gunduzi situation is a really, really interesting one because I think you're absolutely right. I don't think Mikel Arteta likes what he sees in him in terms of his attitude. Um, and, and he's, look, he's he's right to have those concerns, I think. And, and you, you touched on it. He thinks he's a big player and he's not quite there yet. I think that is spot on. And Mikel Arteta has to make an example of this kind of thing. He can't allow these things to keep happening. He just can't because... The longer this stuff continues and the, the more disharmony we have behind the scenes, the harder his job becomes and the more difficult it becomes to build that good team spirit. So I I, I don't want to see Genduzi get away with murder. I think you're absolutely right, though. I think the talent is there in the sense of he can develop. I still think he's not there. I still don't think he's the finished article. I still don't think he's as far down that development path as some people think he is. But that's not to say that I can't see a future for him. So where where I'm stuck here is I didn't really have an issue with him getting involved with Neil Mope. Uh, you know, that fine. Would have liked to have seen it during the game, like everyone else has said. But 
you know, I get it. He, he got frustrated. Mope obviously taunted him after they had words during the game and, and after Mope scored the goal. Uh, and he erupted. And, you know, he's fortunate, in my opinion, to get away with an FA charge because he looks as though he's grabbed the player by the neck. And, you know, the, the camera footage is conclusive. And how he's got away with that, I don't know. So we should be grateful for that. What is more worrying for me about this whole situation is the way Mikel Arteta has, has been talking about it. On the one hand, I like that Mikel Arteta has been firm and he said, whatever internal issues we've had, they'll be dealt with behind the scenes. I like that from him because he's almost, he's telling the fans that something's gone on, but not giving enough information for a whirlwind of speculation to be drawn on it. Now, there will always be speculation when a player is left out of the squad like that. But he's he's done some damage limitation, in my opinion, by addressing it, but not actually going very far. So in that sense, I think he's handled it well. I think he's that's very much going to be Mikel Arteta's approach. You know, he's going to say one liners like, uh, what, what did he say? Squad management. Um, when it was Mesut Ozil, he said tactical reasons. Um, and I think he learned from the Mesut Ozil situation because he did, didn't he, prior to the uh, Manchester City game, say, I'll address it after the game. And then he didn't really give us much. And I thought, <laughs> I thought he made a bit of a mistake there. A mistake that comes from inexperience and not having had to deal with the media an awful lot throughout his career. So I think he will learn from that. And I think he has learned from that quickly by the way he's handled the Matteo Genduzzi situation. If he's taking the piss out of him on, on the training ground and doing all sorts, then Mikel Arteta has got every right to leave the guy out. And it's absolutely the right call and the right decision. Will he come straight back in now at the weekend? We don't know. Um, that remains to be seen. There's lots of speculation linking, linking Matteo Genduzzi with a move away. And you don't want to see talented football players leave your club. But I'm going to put this question to you, Dan. We paid, what, seven, eight million pounds to bring Matteo Genduzzi in from Lorient. According to transfermarket.co.uk, he's worth in excess now of 36 and a half million pounds. If a bid of that amount was to come across the table, given the financial constraints that Arsenal are struggling with at the moment. Would you take that? And is this perhaps the way forward for Arsenal? Buy cheap, sell big, so that we can start to, to develop as a club again and get back on our feet? I think you've got to look at somebody, a team like Borussia Dortmund, who have been doing that for a while now. You look at what they've done. They've bought Jaden Sancho for something like eight million. They could easily sell him for over a hundred now, it seems. So I think we need to be looking at that in a way. I want to see young talent perform at Arsenal. I honestly want to see young talent go and do something special at Arsenal. But I think at the same time, this clear-out situation in the transfer market is going to be an interesting one because I do want to see the likes of Mustafi, Kalasanak, Erzil, uh, Luiz, Chaka, all of those players. I want to see them go. But if you look at it a different way, if you look at it technically and look at it in terms of what transfer funds we can raise from these players... I would accept 35 million for Bellerin. I would accept 35 for Torreira. I'd accept 15 to 20 for Kalasanak. I'd probably accept 50 plus for Lacazette. And I'd probably accept 40 plus for Guendouzi because those positions that we have just made those money from, we can strengthen so well through our spine. And I think that it's fair enough saying you want to get rid of the Mustafis and the Urzels and the Socrates. They're not going to give us any money whatsoever. Mikatarian, El Nenny, we're still trying to get rid of these players. I'd rather just accept we're not going to make money off them and just take the two, three, four, five million pounds that we're going to get for them if they have to go or just keep them and loan them out 
because as far as I'm concerned, the ones that we're going to try and make the money from are the Lacazettes, Aubameyangs, Bellerins, Kalasanaks, Torreras, even Chakas. And I think Guendouzi can be in that bracket now. I'd be very disappointed to see Saka and Martinelli leave. I think they've got, they could be something really special. I think Guendouzi could just be a great player. Um, and if there is an attitude problem, with Guendouzi and the manager does not want him on board, we can't get annoyed with him wanting to leave. And that goes for any single player. If there is a player that is going to disrupt your team or there is an attitude problem that is going to potentially disrupt the dressing room, you need to remove that bad apple. And then we, I think we've got a few of them, don't get me wrong, but if he is one that is causing the biggest drama every week for Arteta and giving him a headache, then yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was to accept 35, 40 million pounds for a young player that could go on and do something special with another team. But if that attitude does stink, then he could be another Balotelli or another Neymar, Pogba, uh, that just are great players, but just get in the way of the dressing room. And I don't want to see that. I do not want to see that. I'd rather have 11 Martinelli's than 11 Mesut Ozil's because he's another one that I think is a nightmare with his attitude. I would just rather have the attitude of, I want to play for Arsenal and I want to win. And Guendouzi may have that ambition, but at the moment, if he's disrupting the the dressing room with his naivety and his immaturity, then I wouldn't surprise me if Arteta cashed in in the summer. It's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's one of those situations as well when you look at a young player who's got plenty of fire, plenty of passion, um, the confidence that most young players don't have um, at that stage in their career, he's, he's quite clearly got that in an abundance, Matteo Genduzzi. But you have to find a way as a young player. And, and I guess this is down to the manager to, to guide you in the right way and the senior players. And we've spoken before, Dan, about the fact that there is no real leaders, no real examples, no role models at Arsenal Football Club at the moment, which, of course, isn't helpful to these youngsters. But yeah, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you want to manage Matteo Genduzzi, but you don't want to put out that fire that's burning inside him. You've got to find a way of controlling the flame and him channeling it in the right way. But you don't want to completely kill the passion and the fight that this kid has. But if it's disruptive, you've got to find a way of managing it. It's all about managing it and curbing it and keeping it at a level where the player's channeling it in the right way, but it's not being disruptive. And that's this is probably one of the biggest challenges that Mikel Arteta has in this job is, is keeping some of these young players... Uh, from feeling as though they've made it when they haven't. And, and Arsene Wenger could be accused of that at times. You know, players thrown into the team early doors, a few good performances, and then we became reliant upon them. And in actual fact, they weren't really ready. Uh, and in the end, we we ended up sort of not being as successful as we could have been. There's so many issues at this club at the moment. And Matteo Genduzzi is just one of them. And, and I thought that Mikel Arteta's uh, comments uh, in the press conference yesterday ahead of this game um, at the weekend were interesting again, where he said uh, he was asked about the reports linking uh, Genduzi with the move away. And he said, as I said yesterday in the press conference, whatever internal issues we have, we will deal with them privately. I'm never going to make any of that public. So again, he's telling the fans that something's gone on. He's not disclosing what, and he will not say any more than that. But he is making it clear that Matteo Genduzi has had some sort of issue with him behind the scenes. He was then asked, will Matteo Genduzzi definitely be an Arsenal player next season? And he said, all the players that are here, I'm counting on them. If they want to jump on the boat, they are more than welcome. That's always my mindset. I'm here to help all of them to improve individually and collectively. And that is my job. 
So again, very, very clear from Mikel Arteta. If you're not here to be part of the cause, if you're not here to fight for the club, if you're not here because you are, you know, you're, you want to be here and you're happy to be here and you want to play for this great football club, then on your bike. And I think that ruthlessness will serve us well. Um, I think there's a balance to be found with some of the players. You still need to try and keep your top, top talents. And sometimes you're going to have to, you're going to have to sort of bend over a little bit in terms of giving them the money they want, giving them the role in the team they want, etc. But Genduzi's nowhere near being that influential for Arsenal to the point where Mikel Arteta should abandon his principles. So it's going to be a really interesting situation. I think whether we may see him come back into the squad um, on Sunday and, and hopefully Matteo Genduzi's learned from this and they can mend the, the relationship between the two and they can crack on and and not only just for Arsenal's benefit, but I think that a coach like Mikel Arteta, who's clearly a very intelligent coach, who's played in that midfield role, could be such a huge help to Matteo Genduzzi's career. So why would he not want to take that help? I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's go over to some of your live comments before we wrap up the stream. Um, again, I just want to apologise for, for dropping out of the stream a couple of times uh, during the episode, technical issues. Thanks to Dan for keeping it going um, whilst I disappeared. Um, let's see what we've got here. Um, I'm going to put this one to you, Dan. S Cricket Ball says, do you think Bellerin's vegan diet is affecting his play? Wenger showed the Premier League how important diet was to fitness. Well, listen, something's definitely affected Bellerin. I don't know whether it's his diet or whether it's his fitness or his injury. Uh, I would put it down to his injury. We've seen players come back from those injuries before and really struggle to get straight back into where they picked off. I actually thought Bellerin came into the Stamford Bridge game at Chelsea really well. I thought, wow, this, you know, is great to see him playing really well. But it just seems to me like he's lost a lot of his pace. And that was one thing with Bellerin that got him out of trouble was his pace. You know, if he was to make a mistake, he could always recover. But I thought Thursday night against Brighton uh, uh, and uh, Southampton, I thought he was really, really poor. And I've not been impressed with him on the ball. I think he's passing. He doesn't look comfortable on the ball. Doesn't look like he's linking up with Pepe whatsoever. And I'm not quite sure if that's Bellerin or Pepe, but they really aren't working well together and haven't done all season. I think Bellerin needs games. I think Bellerin needs some time to work on his fitness personally, because there is a player there. I'm just not so sure that he's ever been as good as people make out Hector Bellerin. He's not really a, a right back that I see who's great at defending. I don't believe he's got a final ball. His crossing isn't amazing. Um, and that's a lot of people of neutral fans have said to me, Bellerin, I don't know where that where it comes from. Without pace, he's nothing. And what we're seeing at the moment is Bellerin without pace. So unless he gets that pace back, I think he could be one that we can cash in on in the summer, if I'm honest with you. But I'm not so sure it's got anything to do with his diet personally. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so either, because I think there have been lots and lots of top level athletes that have come out over the last few years and, and said that they're on a vegan diet and they've been very clear about it and vocal about it and it doesn't seem to affect those. So I think he's just struggled to recover from that injury like you. I don't think he was ever great defensively. I think he's lost a yard or two of pace, which I probably put down to the injury. And that was one of his standout attributes, wasn't it? His ability to get up and down that flank and really provide sort of in the attacking third as well as the defensive one. So... I think he's just lost that bit of edge, that bit of sharpness. And, and that's probably my biggest concern about Hector Bellerin. But I agree, Dan, I don't necessarily think it's down 
to the diet. But thank you very much for your question. Keep them coming in the chat. Um, Inter Yanan says Arteta. That's a great name, by the way. Arteta is not the man to take us forward. Say it's a harsh statement, but it's a reality. I understand why people think that because I think the job is such a big one that I understand why people have concerns about somebody as inexperienced as Mikel Arteta being given that responsibility. But it is too early to say that. And there are so many other circumstances at the football club that are making his job more difficult. I just think it's harsh to criticise him at this stage. I think, uh, listen, I criticised Dunai Emery from very early on. I, I don't have an issue with people saying, I don't think he's the right man to take us forward because I don't like this about the way his team plays. I think he lacks this. I think he lacks that. Absolutely fair criticisms. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I think you need to substantiate those comments a little bit more in order to to sort of have a respectful debate. Why do you not think Arteta is the is the man for the job? What have you seen that you don't like? And my friend, feel free to respond and we'll bring that comment up as well. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um Graham Sutherland says, we've got too many players who are taking the piss out of the club with their attitude. Ozil, Xhaka, Genduzi to start. I'm sick of hearing it. But Dan, can Arteta deal with it? Well, I think that's what we're going to find out. I mean, it's still early days for Arteta, isn't it? And he has got players in that in that squad, and I've been very, very outspoken about it, that I believe have got attitude problems that are weak mentally, that uh, there's no leaders, there's no winners, there's no ambition within the squad. And I think that touching on what the last comment was and into this one, you know, if people don't believe that Arteta is the right man to take him forward, like you, Harry, I respect their opinion. What I will say is if he was trying to get the best out of this current squad of senior players, I would suggest perhaps the job's too big for him because I don't believe they're good enough. But if you wanted a manager to come in who was a young coach who had fresh ideas that learnt off one of the best managers there is that ever probably, but certainly around at the moment, to work with younger players, that is what we have got. There is some positives on Thursday night because of the young players, because Eddie and Ketia were playing well, because Joe Willock come on and scored, because Saka was continuing to do well, because Rob Holden and Tierney were playing. These are players that I want to see play football. I'd rather see, as much as I slate them sometimes, Bellerin and Pepe playing than I would see in the Lichsteiners that come into this world and the, the, the senior the senior head, so to speak. So I would be happy to see him working with the young coaches. Now, I wanted... Diego Simeone when Arsene Wenger left. I wanted Diego Simeone for the pure reason that I felt that he could get the best out of this current crop of players that I still don't think are horrendously bad uh, individually, but as a team, I think they are really poor players collectively. So I would like to see, I would have liked to see an experienced head. I was also not against Carlo Ancelotti coming into the squad when, uh, sorry, coming into as a manager when, uh, who is it? Emery, Emery got the got the sack because I felt that he would have given us some stability and some organisation. But if if what I want to see is the youngsters come through, which I do, and I want to see recruitment, I want to see a younger coach. Which is why, if we were going to go for a younger coach, I wanted to see somebody like a Nagelsmann come in. So Arteta for me was not a bad. Uh, shout because he knows the club, he knows works under Pep Guardiola, and I believe that he can get the best out of some of these young players. We've seen what he's done with Saka already. I think for me, he's been a revelation this season. I've been very impressed with Martinelli since Arteta's come into the side, and I've been impressed with his attitude and what Arteta. We've hear, heard rumours about him kind of picking him up on performances and saying, "What did you do wrong there? What would you like to do better there?" This is what I want to see. So. 
I'm happy with what Arteta is going to do there. And I think it will be interesting over the coming weeks to see what he does with the Guendouzi situation and also the Mesut Ozil situation. Granite Chakarri's made quite clear. His attitude might not be great to some fans, but as far as Arteta is concerned, he's one of the best in the dressing room and he's totally focused on Arsenal and winning. So you got, I don't think he comes into the question, but certainly those two do, Ozil and Guendouzi. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two, whether they play a part in the coming weeks for me. Yeah, indeed. Um, let's move on to this one from Oprah and Felim. He says, uh, what is going on with the Saka contract situation? So my understanding of the Saka situation is that we are very, very close to reaching an agreement with uh, Bukayo Saka. There's an agreement in principle. It's a case of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Um, and an announcement is expected shortly. That's been backed up by a couple of uh, journalists as well. And a couple of people that I've spoken to. I'm not claiming to be in the know. I'm not one of those people. Um, but, you know, in my job, I do speak to a lot of journalists on a daily basis. And the genuine uh, feeling around the place is that, is that the, the deal is very close to being done and it's going to be announced in the coming weeks. Um, so don't panic on that one. Um, I think we will hear something about that in the very near future. And for Mikel Arteta to say he's very confident of Bukayo Saka staying, I don't think you say that unless you know um, sort of where we are. Mikel Arteta is not an idiot. He wouldn't come out and say that if there was no progress in that front. Um, Apajo Akombe says, one more cock up by David Lewis leading to a goal or a red card. He and the coaches and the board should automatically resign <laughs> or be sacked. People have just come to the end of their tether, haven't they, Dan, with David Lewis? Yeah, and I can see why. I can see why. You know, I, I can't forgive people who make the same mistakes week in, week out, year in, year in. And that's what I've that's why I've been pretty harsh over Granite Chaka over the last few years, because I see him give the ball away and make mistakes. Mustafi slipping up at the back, sliding in, making mistakes. And David Luiz is no different. You know, I'd be hypocritical if I said that I, I weren't like that with David Luiz. You know, he's given away four penalties. I think people have decided he's not our future. I personally do not care that he signed another another year personally, because if he's going to be around the club for another year and he's as great in the dressing room as people say, then that's fine. What I don't want to see is him become our number one centre-back. I think if David Luiz is around the dressing room, I'm fine with that. If he's playing the next, next to Saliba next season, I won't be too happy. I'd like to see somebody else in there. I'd actually like to see two centre-halves with Saliba as backup. But David Luiz, for me, is not the one. But I'm saying that, and I said it on here the other week, Harry, if we get rid of Socrates and Mustafi and keep Luiz, I think that's the right way around than to keep those two and, and get rid of David Luiz. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Raunak Rahul says, great podcast, Harry. Love your work. I'm a big fan of Dan too. Love his opinion on same old Arsenal. If Oba leaves, whom will you give the armband next season? Everybody's going to hate me for this. Everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna go into meltdown. But I think you know what my answer is gonna be, and I don't think the armband should have been taken away from him in the first place. I think he was the right man for the job. I think Unai Emery threw him under the bus. Unai Emery put him in a shit position in the midfield with zero protection week in week out, and Unai Emery failed to back him when shit hit the fan. And for me, it, it, it's Granite Xhaka. He's, he's the most vocal player on the pitch. Mikel Arteta sings his praises about it. Emery sang his praises about it too. If anybody watched the Southampton game the other night without the crowd sounds, you'd have got a sense of just how vocal he is on the pitch. Agree, disagree, it's up to you. But that's my view. Granite Xhaka would be my captain. Dan? 
okay, I'm going to go with who I would give it to, and then I'm going to go with who I think it will be. I, be, I personally believe Aubameyang's going to leave. I think he is going to leave. So I think we're going to have a new captain next season. I'd hate to see it. I'd personally keep Aubameyang for his final year of his contract, letting him run his contract down and keep him for another year. But I think he's going to go. Who I think it will be, I think Granite Chaka will get it. I think Arteta will be impressed with him and give him another chance with the captain's armband. I personally don't think he should be allowed that because I think that hate the fans, love the fans, love the guy, hate the guy. I think what he did was wrong. And I think everybody could admit that what he did was wrong. Um, so I think it will be Granite Chaka, Harry. I think you're right. I personally would give it to Leno because... I just feel like he's the first name on the team sheet. He's been our most consistent performer. He's very commanding at the back. He does speak out loud. He does kind of talk to his defence. He's got an absolutely dreadful defence in front of him. And I think he calls out some incredible saves and keeps us in games. Um, the only reason I give it to Leno is I don't see anybody else out there that, that says it must be me. Hector Bellerin is the other one that comes to mind, but I've mentioned about his poor kind of performances. But he does know Arsenal and he's been around the club for eight years now. Um, but I think I'd probably give it to Leno. But I think you're right, Harry. I think it will go to Granite Chaka next season. I can just see the comments box filling up with people disagreeing with me. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll come to those uh, in a little bit. Uh, a couple of people, actually. Uh, Graham agrees. Uh, Xhaka would be my choice. Omar says, Xhaka, no chance. Uh, Inti Anand says, I'd give Tierney the captaincy. And Niall Lewis also says, uh, my new captain would be Kieran Tierney. That's interesting. I just don't think he's played enough football yet. That's it. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah, I think yeah. he's got potential. Yeah, but he's not played enough. That's it. It's not personal. It's not that I don't think he's, he's he could be in the future or one day. You know, I've spoken to, to a few people who um, have, a, you know, been watching Tierney for years and they're really, really um, excited about what he can bring to the Premier League. Of course, injuries have prevented him doing that just yet. Um, and someone whose opinion I, I really respect, Lee Scott, um, the, from uh, Total Football Analysis. He's written a couple of really, really great football books. There's another one on the way as well. And we've been doing some co-commentaries together. And one of the games that we did was the, the City-Arsenal game. And he, he gave a really interesting little segment about Kieran Tierney. It's on the post-Manchester City podcast as well, because he joined me for that uh, to look at the game. Um, and uh, he spoke about Tierney and he spoke about the fact that in Scotland, there is a debate around whether he or Robertson is better. Now that says a lot because Andrew Robertson is an incredible wow. player. So, I mean, that, that debate is very much alive in Scotland. So clearly they have ho high hopes for Tierney. Um, we haven't seen the best of him yet, but that's through no fault of anybody's other than just rotten luck. So, um, you know, that's it. And again, the, the, the Shaka stuff is uh, coming back to bite me. Uh, Witty Parwa says, Harry, don't be banter. I'd give it to Tierney as well. <laughs> Lots of you um, suggesting that Kieran Tierney should be the new Arsenal captain. I'm not entirely sure. Right. That brings us to the end of the stream. Thank you so much to everybody who's joining us. We don't normally do shows on Saturday mornings. Uh, my thanks to Dan for giving up some of his weekend. And my thanks to you guys for tuning in. Don't forget, you can become a patron of the things within half an hour of the full-time whistle. I put the first one out after the Southampton game uh, on Thursday. Thank you to everyone who's tuned into that. And there'll be more exclusive content coming your way as well in the next few weeks as we look to build it out. Uh, and the more of you uh, that support us, the more stuff we can provide uh, and the, uh, the more in-depth we can go into things. So thank you all once again for your continued support. Uh, thank you to Dan. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, until next time, up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal.